Hi guys, so you're with Donna and Cheryl from Now Is Your Time and um, we are here with our Life Lessons podcast and our guest today um, is Carolina V. And Carolina is at this point in our in, in her life 28 years old and I feel like when we spoke to her, it feels like she's lived such a big life and has had so many life lessons so we're really excited and it, you know some of this is really brave of her to share with you today and we're going to cover some topics today that we haven't really touched on before in any of our previous life lessons um, but Carolina really wanted to share her lessons with us and pay it forward so grab a coffee listen up because this is going to be a really well I think it's going to be a really emotional one for me anyway so welcome Carolina. Hi, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me here. I really appreciate your time and all of your listeners' time. It's absolutely our, um, well, we're very grateful for you for sharing this, like I said, because this is a, you have had like some really tough lessons already in your life, the kind of stuff that ideally you'd want to shield your children from. And a lot of that started really when you're about eight, right? Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of growing up and some of the things you had to experience first? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, I was raised by an obsessive compulsive bipolar mother in a time when mental illness was not really something people talked about. So it's not something she wanted to get a hold on. It was not something that she was able to, or yeah, even tried to alleviate or get control of. And so I kind of became her punching bag, both mentally, emotionally, or all mentally, emotionally, and physically speaking. I remember being thrown into the stairs, pushed into the laundry machine, pushed into the fridge, having my hair pulled, being swatted with everything, you know, you name it, I probably have a story for it. However, she like I said, this was mental illness, you know, and we, we are not our mental illnesses. It's really hard to see through mental illness when it is something that you deal with. Being, being an adult now, being aware of mental illness myself, I can look back and I can recognize that that wasn't actually my mother. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that we didn't also have good moments and that she was, she was there for me in some really crucial moments. One of them being when I was eight years old, I was sexually assaulted by her father, so my grandfather. And this went on for about two years before anyone noticed a significant change in my behavior. And for those two years, I actually have a pretty detailed episode of it on my podcast if anybody is interested in in getting the down low for that I can bring that up at the end but for two years this went on and a lot of people just started to notice me like physically recoiling from him I, I never wanted to go over I never wanted him to hug me or touch me or kiss me or anything anytime we would leave his his place and they just thought I was being you know like a, a bratty child that was just being a bratty child and eventually one night my mom was tucking me into bed and she she could kind of sense something and my mother was a very intuitive person as well as, as am I and she asked me like Carolina has anything happened with your abuelo and abuelo means grandfather in Spanish and um, which I should also say I'm, I'm half Chilean half Romanian and 
I, <laughs> I just like started crying and apologizing, which, which most child victims do. They take the blame onto themselves. They, they bury themselves in guilt and shame. And then more often than not carry that into adulthood, which spoiler alert, I did. <laughs> and so she was there for me in that instance and she she helped me like take it to the police and being at that age i blocked a lot of it out and to to be honest i actually didn't know until a few months ago when i had shared my story on my podcast that i had a law student reach out to me and say if you want me to read that transcript for you and let you know what happened i will because I would always look up the court case, but it's all in this legal lingo that I don't, I'm not a lawyer, you know, so I just, I, I never understood that. I, did, I didn't know how to read it. And so, yeah, it was only until a couple of months ago that I found out that he was actually charged, which, which statistically speaking, unfortunately, is not the case for, for survivors in these kind of situations, right? So going back 20 or so years now, I had no idea if my speaking up did anything. So when it would happen again with another uncle, when it happened again with another uncle, when it happened again with, with boyfriends or partners or anything like that, I wouldn't speak up because in my mind, it didn't matter. It didn't matter speaking up because nothing would come of it, right? So yeah, that kind of sums up that short period of my life. I mean, like you said, there's so many things. I moved out when I was 16, you know, like I battle with mental health. Like there, I've lived mental health with my mother, but for that, uh, for that moment, starting at eight years old, that kind of sums up that experience. Yeah. Well, it didn't start to unravel them, but that was a really big, it was one of those pinnacle moments, isn't it? Where you kind of, you're going to remember that. So yeah remember when you were young then how did you deal so with your grandfather then so can you remember how you dealt with as a child living with that abuse like how did that manifest what what did that look like to you when you were a kid so I was very good at separating myself which was very much a survival tactic in my youth years. But once I started to get into my adult years and my early 20s, that survival tactic became detrimental to my relationships and to my well-being. But for the meantime, it was very much a survival tactic. I was very much able to segregate myself from that and to separate it off and to shut myself off, essentially, is, is how I would cope. I would shut myself off so that I wouldn't feel anything. I wouldn't feel the shame. I wouldn't feel the disgust. I wouldn't feel the guilt. I wouldn't feel any of it because I shut myself off. And even now, you know, people, people are always so air quote impressed with how candid I'm able to speak about this. But one, I've spoken about it so much already that there's no more shame linked around it and that's the thing with shame as soon as you start to shine a light on it shame doesn't have anywhere to hide anymore shame feeds on darkness shame feeds on secrecy right mm -hmm. so the more that i talk about it the less shame that i feel but starting out like when i would tell people they would kind of look at me like a deer in headlights and i would have to remind myself like oh right this is a big deal you know this is not normal this isn't an, an everyday experience 
And it would get to the point where like, I would look at my experience almost like a movie. Like I would, I would see it in my mind. I would see that it was me, but it didn't feel like me. It felt like some other character. It was just like a movie I was watching. So yeah, like detachment and shutting myself off were very much survival tactics for me. But as I mentioned, when I got into my adult years, they became very detrimental to my personal growth and, and my relationship growth relationship growth with other people mm, gotcha. could you just expand a little bit on that and how that how did that present itself when you became an adult and it was detrimental yeah so people found it very hard to get close to me so i'm i'm a very outgoing person i don't have a shy bone in my body i could talk mm. to a tree for days you know like that's just very much my personality but people felt like they couldn't get in you know they couldn't get close to me and anytime someone would try to get close to me i would lash out and i used to consider myself a monster and i know that sounds very dramatic but but in all seriousness i used to call myself a monster and I used to call this alter ego, you know, She-Hulk because as soon as I, yeah, as soon as I would start to like red out and, and I would just lose all control of my senses and I just became this monster. And then it was this like self-fulfilling prophecy. I felt like I was a monster. So I felt like I was incapable of being loved. So anytime someone tried to love me, I would behave like a monster because I knew that they would just eventually leave. And they yeah. would. And they had every right to because everyone deserves the right to be respected, to be loved. And I remember this one time I hit a partner of mine. And as soon as it happened, it like brought me back to reality. And I was like, oh my God, what have I just done? Like, what am I becoming, you know? And in the back of my mind, it was like, well, you're becoming your mother mm. is essentially what, what was happening. Yeah. And so I eventually had to get to the point where I was like, Carolina, you cannot blame the way you were raised. You cannot blame situations that you, you were in. You cannot explain the, ex you cannot justify your experiences from the past with how you are behaving now. You are your own person. You make your own decisions. Your life is your own. And you need to stop blaming the way you were raised and using that to justify treating other people like crap because they yeah. don't deserve that. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. you, you can make the choice, right? You can Absolutely. Choose or you can choose to be different. Mm-hmm. You can choose to let your circumstances dictate how you're going to behave negatively, or you can choose it in how, what am I not going to do? How can I take this experience and learn what not to do to other people, how to not treat other people? It works yeah. both ways. And something I always mention in my podcast is there are two ways that you can look at any situation. You can look at it negatively. You can see how it's not going to work out, how this affects you, that affects you, or you can look at it positively. What can I learn from this? Where's the silver lining? What's the positive outcome? And at the end of the day, that's a choice that you are making. And if that statement bothers some of your listeners right now, it's because they feel like they don't have control over their lives right now, which again is a choice that they are making. Yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting that when you speak to people, it can be a revelation to them to tell them that that's a choice. Yeah. Because sometimes that we talk this, I mean, we're mindset coaches. This is what we spend our time talking about and exploring with people. But it's 
they don't often see when you start working with someone or start having that initial conversation that it's a choice because it's their belief that yeah. it's how they are. So then it's kind of like a get out of jail free card, isn't it? Well, it happened to me. Yeah. I am what I am what I am kind of isn't it it's it becomes that, their identity so they absolutely. feel like that's who they are and they don't understand that actually we help them we, we talk about blinkers we help them widen the blinkers say there are other options that there is another way you can make a choice mm -hmm. but people don't know that if nobody said that to them before yeah. but how did you get to that point because yeah. to be so enlightened and, and you know to be to be brutally honest, you know, so I was abused and I was a child that went on extensively for many years. I didn't have an awakening into, much like yourself, I went into, I was then in a very abusive first marriage. I was physically abused, emotionally, mentally. I've talked about this a lot on our podcast. So, I, you know, this is about you, not me, but it was in my 30s really when I kind of had my wake up call of, I would rather have nothing and be alone than be continue to allow myself to be treated the way I've allowed myself to be treated now. So I couldn't do anything about it when I was 10 year old, but now I can. Mm -hmm. I can make a choice and I can yeah. be, because I, I was much like you, the shame and the horror of everything that I'd gone through, even though I'd had a lot of counseling as a younger person, I still thought I was a vile person. Yeah. I didn't like myself. And then actually when I realized that I was worthy, but it's taken a long time to build on that. You know, there was like a glimmer of it of, no, actually, I don't deserve this. Yeah. It's taken a long time and another marriage with a man who is wonderful and then having a baby and becoming a mother. Like that, that whole journey for me has changed me. But you are still so, and I don't mean this in a condescending no, no, no. way, but you're still very wise for being quite young in the process when I was your age my head was still up my arse and I was getting knocked about by your man because I just thought that that was what I deserved even though I had a really good job and all the rest of it so how, how did you how have you got to where you are especially given that you like you said for all those years it's not like it ended I mean it was beautiful that your mum accepted that that night that she trusted but clearly you are still around very abusive scenarios mm -hmm. with family members who you know, clearly didn't have the right boundaries or the right moral compass, which left you still quite vulnerable and not knowing what had happened to your abuelo. So how did that how yeah, so like I'm amazed. <laughs> I will say so I'm a very spiritual person and and I have you know, a witch has told my mother that I have a very old soul. And I think this is where my mother and I really conflicted because my mother has a very young soul. And so having that mother-daughter relationship, but then spiritually being inversed and her having me at such a young age, like she had me at 19 years old, you know, and that's not to say like some 19 year olds like shouldn't be having children or anything. I'm, I'm not here to pass judgment on anyone's life. That's not my place. For my mother, however, she was in no position to be having a child. Yeah. yeah. And so th that was a, a huge dichotomy for us. So, so to start off with, I have a very old soul and then transitioning. So I, I went through all of these experiences until I was 14 years old with, with my family members. And then 
for the following two years, I was still dealing with my mother. And then finally, I just had to say like, enough was enough. And I moved out when I was 16 years old. And I will say, I feel like moving out at such a young age, which I would not recommend to anyone. It's just very difficult. I do not want to glamorize that by any stretch of the imagination. I'm very thankful that I never had to like sell my body or sell drugs or anything like that. You know, like the, the universe really had my back in that sense. However, moving out at such a young age really forced me to grow up very quickly. You know, like I had to learn how to budget my finances. I had to learn how to fend for myself, how to cook for myself, how to, how to do everything for myself. So that was a very, very big learning experience in and of itself. And then when I joined my sorority in my early 20s, that was a very pivotal moment for me. Because every time I would date someone, I would become friends with their friends. But then as soon as we would break up, I felt like I was on my own again because I, like, they kept their friends. I didn't have any family, nothing. So I never felt like I had anywhere I belonged. I never mm -hmm. felt like I had any community or anything that was just mine. And then when I joined my sorority that was just mine. It wasn't linked to a relationship. It wasn't linked to a family member. It wasn't anything. It was just a group of women with like-minded ideologies who accepted me and wanted me to be a part of their sisterhood. And I grew a lot in that experience. And I remember one day, one of my sorority sisters came up to me and she said, you know, it's not just you against the world anymore, right? And I'm like getting emotional now thinking about it because I still very much had that chip on my shoulder. Like I had something to prove. Like I came from garbage, but I was not going to be garbage. And I was going to take down anyone in my path that tried to make me feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I was like so not about vulnerability or anything like that. But then when she came to me, she was like, you know, it's not you against the world anymore, right? Like we have your back. It was just kind of like a very eye-opening experience that I could show these people my monster and they would still just accept me you know they wouldn't they wouldn't and I don't want to say accept and they would let me get away with with my with anything you know if I was out of line they would say you're out of line that's love that, that's love exactly oh yeah Exactly. So that was a really, really big growth experience for me. And then from that, I, I dated a, um, a wonderful person. Our relationship had a lot of, a lot of problems in and of itself, but I truly believe like he saved me from myself, but mm -hmm. for myself, right? Like I don't, I don't want it to come across as if like he saved me for him or like he saved me for whatever. Like at the end of the day, it was a, it was a decision I had made for myself, but he mm -hmm. definitely was there to support me and help me along that journey. And I sig like significantly believe had I not dated him first, no matter how ridiculous our relationship ended up being and how different we were the relationship i'm currently in now i believe with every fiber of my being would not be as successful as it is had i not learned everything i needed to learn from that relationship first yeah, yeah and going through that process yeah and talking about relationships i think one really important thing from when we talked earlier because it's my belief that there are millions of women and probably men to some extent but more so women in the position where 
they've been subject to sexual abuse or sexual advances when they've been young because it is it is so common right yeah. you know you're sitting in a room with 30 women chances are at least half of them have had some kind of experience whether that was a repetitive experience or a one-off or just somebody you know putting their hand on them when they were young it's 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 really common i think you're being and, generous too by saying just I'm half not, like i'm gonna go like 99 percent have some yeah. kind of story <laughs> what scares me is they don't recognize it as sexual abuse or yeah. sexual you know whatever advances, advances. Yeah. yeah they don't say that and being i think in, in later life from the women i've spoken to it's really created boundary issues and yes. some talked about in them understanding their rights their body their space and i know for a fact there are women even like us in their 40s 50s older because they're from a different generation who are still allowing their bodies and their space to be to not be used as their body in their space and they've given their body in their space away to their husbands or their partners or whoever because they think that well I'm married well you know you know it, it means no harm well you know it, it's kind of like in and we talked about this didn't we of how we can give ourselves we're not giving ourselves away we're sometimes even making clear that we don't want to have sex but sometimes sex is then being had regardless in relationships sometimes married or long-term boyfriends whatever it's a huge issue on university campuses and things. I've got a friend who's a policewoman specifically on a university campus in the northeast of England, training people about consent. So talk to us about your experience of that. And I think it'll make a few people kind of have light bulb moments of shit. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, to start off with, I will say I read a meme recently on Facebook, actually, of a therapist who said, if I were to come outright and ask wives, does your husband rape you? All of them would go, no, no, of course not. Of course, my husband would never rape me. But if she reframes the question in, have you ever felt like you couldn't say no? Have you ever felt pressured into something? How have you ever felt? Then the answer more often than not changes to, well, this one time, and that's that's the difference. It's, people are so blinded by the R word. Yeah. And I even said that at the beginning, you know, like I, I hate using that, you know, rapist word because we just have this ideology in our mind that a rapist is like a stranger in a back alley with a with a yeah. mask over their face, yeah. you know? So, yeah, so that was just something I, I, I wanted to touch on there. Like, if you come out right and you say, like, oh, have you ever been raped? Most women will say no. But if you reframe the question, like, have you ever felt like you couldn't say no? Or did you ever felt pressured into something? Or were you, did you ever say no and then they kept trying to convince you and then you succumbed to it yeah. to just shut them up? Yes, yeah, yeah. Right? So for me, yeah, it was very very detrimental to my relationships. I had a very unhealthy connection with intimacy, which, which makes sense. And, and like I've said several times, like hindsight being 2020, you know, my first sexual experience was with a family member, you know, and you typically innately care about your family members. You have an emotional attachment to your family members. Yeah. So to then have that emotional attachment to a family member linked with this disgusting feeling of shame and guilt and knowing innately that something was wrong, mm. having that linked together 
going Mm -hmm. into adulthood when then I would have intimate relationships with other people, Mm -hmm. that connection, that belief. And you said you're, you're mindset coaches. I'm a clarity coach. I help people get really clear on what that, what it, whatever it is that's helping them get stuck. Right. Yeah. So having that connection, as soon as I would, I would be very promiscuous in if I wasn't in a relationship because it was easy for me to, like I mentioned, detach, Mm -hmm. shut myself off, do the deed, get out. I've been very, I used to be very equated to like masculine energy because I I would be intimate with someone and then I would just say, you can go now. Like I'm, I'm done with you. (laughs) Yeah. And then And the flip side of that, as soon as I would get emotionally invested with someone, my libido would completely dry up. You know, Mm. it was like I couldn't have both. Mm. And so it took this relationship that I, I got into when I was in my sorority. I cared about him so much and I really wanted our relationship to be successful and to be something that was going to last for a very long time. Like I thought I was going to marry him essentially. I mean, hindsight being 2020, we would never have made it. But, um, at the time, when you're in your yeah, 20s, at, exactly. Yeah. When you're in your early 20s, you're just like, this is my life. And yeah. um, so I, I went to a sex therapist to to try to get to get clarity on this. To be completely yeah. honest, and she said something to me that that will always always resonate with me. And she she told me she was like, it was okay that it felt good. Mm-hmm. because your body was only reacting the way your body is supposed to react to that yeah. kind of physical stimulation. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, however, it wasn't up to you to know better. It was up to the adult you trusted to know yeah. better. And yeah. hearing that, and like we talked about before, like something can be so obvious, but until someone says it to you, until someone brings that awareness to you, it, it's not obvious to you. Like you can't see it. You have those blinders on, right? So as soon as she said that to me, mm. I was like, okay, like it's okay for my body to feel good. And we're in a society that is so against women being happy, you know, and like women going for what they want and women, you know, like we see in the media, like all these men who have all these like women on their arms and blah, blah, blah. Like that Christina Aguilera song, you know, like, um, the more a guy can score whatever, but the girl can do the same. And yet you call her a whore, you know, like, yeah. So well, we see in the boardroom, we use this example as, you know, the, the man is really passionate and the woman's just hormonal. It's, it's mm-hmm. the same for a long time. So those differentiators around the same behavior, but the, you know, the, how it's perceived when it's from a man or a woman is very different. But yeah, like a woman will be aggressive, whereas a yeah. man is assertive or a woman is bossy, but a man is a leader. Yeah. We still have that up against, but you know, there'll be, there'll be boys and men today as well who are listening to this who may have been affected by some of the issues we're talking about. And we, we had this conversation, didn't we, not long ago, because I was told the same thing by my therapist when I was younger is, you know, even if you enjoyed it, that's okay. That wasn't your, you know, you, you weren't the adult in the position of responsibility. That yeah. doesn't make you a person. But I know it's one of the things that men who've been abused really struggle with because their yeah. body betrays them and then they can physically say that they're aroused so then they feel really dirty and shame and 
you know it's just it's just awful isn't it and you take those feelings of that in you know as a grown-up into relationships it manifests itself in a really dangerous way sometimes so yeah I actually just recently did um a YouTube video because I don't know if if across the pond you guys are having this debate on the baby it's cold outside song but Mm. over yeah over in North America it's this like huge debate about how it has rapey vibes and how inappropriate it is and other people are like you're totally taking it out of context like look at when the song was written and what these what these statements actually mean and so I did a video and I was like we're totally getting sidetracked here baby it's cold outside is not the problem rape is and the more you start to blame all of these external factors blaming a song for perpetuating rape culture is the same thing as blaming a girl for wearing a slutty skirt and getting raped or for blaming or making fun of a boy for having an erection and still getting raped. Those yeah. things are, are designed to distract you from the real problem because people don't want us to actually have this conversation about what the real problem is. And the real problem is rape and consent culture and not being aware of consent culture. You can blame a song or a skirt or a boner or whatever it is you want but that's totally taken away from the what the actual problem is. Yeah, it's it's recognizing rape, recognizing consent, and and people, men or women, feeling okay about setting the boundaries and yeah. holding boundaries up when the time comes yeah. for that. So, so what are the things for you then that you would want? You know, you've had all these experiences, but you're now in a great place. You're in a very loving relationship. You've got an amazing business as a clarity coach. You've got your podcast. And you, you, it's amazing that you're able to speak about your experiences in such a positive and constructive way. And you really have taken all of the learning from them. And, and it's a journey, right? We're not yeah. fixed, whatever the hell that looks like, but we keep paying it forward and hoping that it helps one person listening. So what would be the things, the takeaways that you would really want people to take away from our life lesson with you today, Carolina? Mm-hmm. So my biggest life lesson that I constantly advocate for is that where you came from does not dictate and does not have to dictate where you are going unless you allow it to, unless you make that choice. So mm-hmm. I grew up in government assistance. I grew up in a like a poor neighborhood. My mother was very poor. You know, I explained my situations like I did not have a, a easy childhood by any stretch of the imagination. I moved out when I was 16 years old. That was a struggle in and of itself. And now, and I left home with just two garbage bags full of clothes. That was it. You know, I literally looked like, like Winnie the Pooh with his little, you know, stick and, and sack on there, right? Like two garbage bags full of clothes. And now I look around my fully furnished apartment. I look around at my relationships. I look around at my business, my adorable cat who loves me so much, you know, my, my partner, my friendships. I look at everything and I'm like, I made it. I made something of myself. You know, I, I got my university degree. I started a business. I did all of this. And if you, I remember high school teachers looking at me and when they found out that I moved out at 16 years old, I saw on their face, like, what a shame. She had so much potential. And I looked back at them and I said, do not past tense me. I still have so much potential. And that was a choice that I made. And I chose to take my experiences 
flip the script, write my own story because I am my own author. So where you came from does not have to dictate where you are going. Amen to that. Oh man. <laughs> choices choose wisely like literally yeah. it's amazing well we are so proud yeah. of everything you've already achieved for flipping the switch and flipping the script and making your life something that it might not have been had you not had clearly that old soul and you're clearly very attuned you're in a guidance and your spirit and, and being able to follow that path to lead to happiness and with the unicorn man that you're with now who's just oh, yeah. a dream <laughs> So thank you for thank being you. so brave today and vulnerable yeah. and sharing that with us. It was really emotional and yeah. we're really proud of everything that you yeah. said. So thank you so much, Carolina. Thank you. thank you for saying that. My love language is words of affirmation. So I very much appreciate that. Oh, love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you.